I'm Lucy Barkas, and this is the Leader X Podcast. Today, I'm reflecting on my conversation with Elizabeth Latardo. I was really curious to understand what Elizabeth Latardo meant when she used the word noble sales. It's the title of her book. Um, but I was really interested in hearing her thoughts. Having worked in a support function for a national sales team, covering consumer, business sales, face-to-face, door knockers, cold callers, business development meetings, the lot, I had really mixed thoughts and feelings on sales and how sales is done. So much so that when I set up my own business, I, I couldn't sell. I, you know, I became almost uh, stuck with this mental block I never wanted to become pushy or feel like I'm being manipulated, Um, you know, because I've been there and I know how it feels. I also didn't want to send out millions of spam emails with all these uh, cliched gimmicks. It just didn't feel like me. Um, However, I had a conversation with the brilliant Jude Jennison. Um, She's on series two of the podcast, if you want to check in with her. Uh, But she once said to me, Lucy, You have a life-changing service to offer, something that leaders really need. And you're being selfish by not telling them about it. Wow. I'd never thought about it like that. I mean, I was offering a valuable service that I knew could really help people, um, but I'd never thought of it as service offering, and it changed everything. It wasn't selling. I was solving problems for people by offering a solution. And then I met the brilliant Daniel Priestley, also another guest on series two, and he reinforced that view. Uh, He told me that people buy solutions, not problems. You may have heard the sales training quote about buying a drill uh, or a hammer. You know, what are you selling? It's not a drill. You're selling a hole. Daniel took it even further. You aren't even selling the hole. You're selling them the shelf that needs to... um, that needs the hole to attach it to the ball. And that's where people are gonna put their trinkets, their books, their ornaments. So you're actually selling the room, you're selling an environment, you're selling them a place to call home. That landed so much with me because the work I do isn't just a product. It's a behavioral change, it's a mindset change, it's, uh, it's a cultural change. It's the means of transformation into whatever the leader wants to, uh, wants to create or whatever their vision is. I'm an enabler and it is a service. So when Elizabeth said. Well, I think at this moment in time, globally, we are facing several concurrent crises. We are facing the most obvious of which is a health crisis. We are facing economic crisis. We are facing social crisis. And what we know about people is that in these moments of crisis, we tend to reevaluate what is important to us. And if you've ever gone through a health scare, the death of a loved one, you've probably experienced this. You start to look at your life and wonder, how am I spending? 
spending my time? What is most important to me? What's driving me? Is this meaningful? You kind of take this outside ends look. And traditionally that happened on an individual basis when people went through their individual crises. But now we're experiencing that reevaluation on a global scale. And what's coming out of that is a mass movement for one more meaningful work from an employee perspective, recognizing that we spend the bulk of our waking hours working. We want that work to matter and be meaningful. And from a sales perspective, customers are reevaluating how much do we really need these companies that we work with? How well do they know us? How authentic are these relationships? How deep do they go? And that is a lens both from the employer perspective and the customer perspective that we in mass have not felt. And the sense of purpose addresses both of those things in a sales capacity. I knew that she was so right. Companies that try to convince us to buy something we don't want or don't need um, creates a kind of like buyer's remorse, a mistrust. Companies that play on fear and guilt or shame create even more feelings of unworthiness and self-loathing. Now, it might be a good business model in the sense that people keep on buying, um, but there's, you know, you're, you're toiling with people's darkest emotions. Instead, really listening and engaging with customers and employees about their lives, their frustrations, their problems, and then finding real solutions that, that have a positive impact. Well, that just feels so much more uplifting and, and a company that I want to A, spend my money with or B, work with. But I think when it comes to purpose, the most important thing an organization can identify is the positive impact they are having on their customers and what difference they are making in those lives and in those businesses and keeping that story alive on a daily basis by talking about customers like they are real life people because they are in talking about the way that they're changing their industry, changing the world and keeping that story as loud as the story of internal metrics and quotas. And I see that so much in the work that I do. There's a real disconnect within organizations between what the company does and the impact or solution it is seeking to provide. They get stuck in the numbers, the financials, the nitty gritty, the day-to-day -day stuff, and they forget to look up and look around and actually see how they are affecting the world and their customers all around them. In fact, many companies complain about customers. I mean, you know, this is just insane. They're the people that they're trying to create solutions for. Yeah, they complain about them you know, that they're interrupting them, causing problems, uh, making complaints or, or wanting refunds. They've forgotten who they are actually trying to serve and why they're in business. I mean, if you hear this kind of language within your organization, this is a wake up call for you as a leader to go back to basics. I mean, what are you really in business for? What are you trying to achieve? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and drop us a review if you're getting great value from it. Catch up on previous guests like Hamish Gill, who has found some surprising benefits to co-working and catch Nicola Millard, a futurologist at BT, who shares what she thinks leaders need to think about in the future of work. As always, you can head over to the website to sign up to the monthly newsletter and hear great tips and advice for leaders. The link is in the bio. So back to my conversation. 
I asked this one question to the board of one engineering company. They created combustion elements for rockets and missiles. I asked them why they existed and they just said to make money. My heart really sank because their work really did make or break lives. You know, if they didn't do what they did well, they, they could kill whole communities when that missile went off track. Eventually, the head of engineering said, if we do our work to the best and the highest standards, the rockets and missiles will stay on course with precision, meaning we don't harm unintended targets, families and communities. There it was. That was the real mission, not money. Our work ensures safety, security of the people worldwide. Doesn't that feel so much more compelling than just making money? Doesn't that become more motivating to an employee, ensuring that they can work harder and work smarter to get the best result, rather than just working to make somebody else some money? When employees become so far removed from the real purpose and the needs and desires of the customer, then the heart and soul leaves the company. I worked on a project um, for NPower back in the day, um, and they realized that in their mission statement, it was, um, you know, putting the customer at the heart of everything that we do. But they couldn't understand why that wasn't coming into fruition. And they realized all of their targets, all of their KPIs, you know, none of it was linked to customer. And if you couldn't connect what you were doing to the, the customer, then you had to question, why, we, why am I even doing this task? It was a huge project to relook at everything to do with goal setting, KPIs, performance management, um, just the way that they work to put the customer right at the heart of what they do. I would say if a business is truly struggling to find out why they exist, they should ask customers, continued customers who buy from them on a regular basis, who have had positive experiences, ask about the difference you have made in their lives. Because That's what great. so often comes to bear is that it's not IT services, it's not this software, it's not these machine parts. It's a piece of a much bigger picture. And what your part enables the customer to do is your purpose. So I asked Elizabeth, what advice could you give leaders now to future-proof their business? Define your aim and your lane is one thing we say a lot. I love the that. The aim is the difference you want to make and the lane is who you want to make that difference on. And so often in crisis, it's tempting to want to be all things to all people and kind of piece together a, a semblance of performance. But what we see play out time and time again, we've seen it through the recession, we've seen it through depressions, is that the organizations who are laser-like focused on a group of people and crystal clear about the impact they want to have are the ones that have the emotional fortitude and the clarity to move forward and before I work with any client I do a diagnosis session it might be a short call if it's a coaching client or a half-day session working with a more complex team but the idea is really to understand their present I mean where are they now and then I get them to think about where do they actually want to be and then we discuss what's stopping them from getting from here to there we look at all the blocks and the barriers and that basically forms the strategy and it's amazing the light bulb moments um, that go off when you connect the present to the future. And if I can support them, I will. If I can't, I will suggest other ideas or suggestions. Um, I, I sell or I serve ethically, I suppose. 
And if they do become a client, I ensure that everyone that I work with understands the purpose of the contract. When I start working with the client and their teams in the wider organization, I keep going back and sharing the purpose through our interactions, reconnecting to the bigger purpose. And this is what you as a leader really needs to keep doing. Keep talking to your customers, find out where they are, what's going on with them. Um, and then, you know, do you need to adapt to their changing circumstances or their mindsets? Keep talking to your people, your suppliers, your employees. You need to refocus the vision, the purpose and the strategy. And in my five miles methodology, which I share in the book and forms the basis of all the programs that I use, uh, that I do, um, you get the, the critical steps that take you from my present right the way through to my legacy, that the impact that you're having and everything else in between. And you can get a copy of uh, my book from all online bookstores or get in touch directly to, to get your own diagnosis session. But honestly, you know, you need to keep leading purposefully, selling nobly and engaging hearts and minds. So that's it for today. Make sure you're subscribed and look out for new episodes as they appear in your feed. And don't forget, there's more on the guests in the show notes.